Deutsche Welle. Learning by ear. Listen up. Shape your future. Hello and welcome to the Learning by Ear series, Once Upon a Time in Africa, about African history. In today's episode, June is happy with her first business at the village market. And Grandpa Peter tells her about the commercial talents of the peoples from the east coast of Africa. Stay with us to find out how trade worked a long, long time ago. Four, five, six, fifty, plus twenty, makes six and seventy. Mom! Yes? I made six and seventy. Ha! Big businesswoman you are, just like Grandpa. So, Father, don't you have any stories to tell about your businesses or those of your friends? <laughs> I have many, by the way. Tell me, Grandpa, what do you know about business? Teach me all the tricks so that I can go to the market every Saturday and make a lot of money. <laughs> do you know who are the great masters of negotiating for a long, long time? Mm-mm. The Swahili people. Really, Grandpa? And how did they do it? Well, they adopted many trading techniques. Who did they trade with, Grandpa? With many, many peoples. With Arabs and Persians, with Indians, and even the Chinese. And did they make much money with chickens too, Grandpa? <laughs> no, dear. Above all, they sold gold, ivory, and slaves, and bought cloth, porcelain, and spices. If Dad had lived at that time, let's say around the 9th century, he could have been a merchant. I've been told you're the right person to trade my goods with. And you've been told very well. I see this is your first time in Kilwa. My name is Abu. I'm a merchant, and I work directly with the sultan of this sublime city, Ali bin al-Hassan. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Sing Rai. My pleasure. The splendor of your city is known in every land to the east. I haven't been that far south yet, but I'm sure it will be worth it. <laughs> and it will, good man, it will. I'm very much looking forward to getting to another city. Now, if you don't mind, I have to supervise the unloading of my goods, huh? Uh, I would like to invite you for dinner at my place tomorrow. Anyone will be able to tell you where it is at six o'clock. Then I will see you tomorrow. I come with pleasure. <coughs> hey, man, man, be careful. I have a lot of fragile goods in there. Oh, sorry, sir. Sorry. sorry. Yes, yes. That's it. Very carefully, huh? Carefully, carefully. This way? Uh huh. Sir, I see you come from India. I saw you talking with that merchant. Maybe you're interested in my products. They are of a very high quality. Sir, I have ivory, I have gold dust. Everything's much cheaper and you don't need to declare anything. What do you think? Man, I'm in Kilva for the first time. But I do know that I will have to declare every single grain of dust that I'll have to take with me. Get out of here, you dishonest scoundrel! now! Woo! <laughs> 
both of you. Come inside the house. It's getting colder. June, as you did so well at the market, you can keep half of the money. Really, Mom? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> May I go again next Saturday? I promise I will sell even more chickens. Ah, we'll see how you behave until then. I may consider it if you help me in the house. Did you hear your mother? Mm-hmm. But always be serious in your business, my child. Take the example of the foreign merchant Singh. The harbor worker tried to talk him into smuggling. Never give way to the temptations of making easy money if it involves something illegal. No, Grandpa, I won't. But explain to me, did the Swahili people also trade in slaves? At that time, slaves were exported to the old partner countries. When the slave trade reached its peak, in the 18th century, the French, for example, got their slaves for the plantations on the islands of Mauritius and Reunion from the Swahili coast. But let's go back to the 9th century, because in Kilua, business is getting interesting. Welcome to my home, Singh. Thank you, Abu. I must say you have a magnificent house. Thank you. And the city, what splendor. How delightful to walk around the streets of Kilva. Foreign merchants negotiating their products with local traders, scholars talking about new theories, Arabs walking together with Indians, and holding arms of African women. Oh, this seems to be the center of the world. Not to mention the opulence of the mosque and the central square and the sultan's palace. <laughs> From what you're saying, my friend, you won't get bored if you decide to stay here for the next two monsoon months. Uh, let me get straight to my point. I have a proposal to make to you. What goods do you have on your ship? Well, a bit of everything. Some porcelain from China, silk from India, spices. Spices? Ah, very well. Now, my proposal is as follows. You leave the spices with me, some silk for my wife, uh, perhaps some Chinese tableware. In exchange, I will give you a brand new astrolabe that I bought from an Arab who arrived here after some business with the Greeks. And you promise to return to Kilo again and give me the monopoly of your spices. What do you think? With all respect, Abu, I've never heard about that astro... What is it called again? <laughs> it is the most up-to-date technology. It's an instrument used by navigators like yourself to find the direction in which you wish to travel. It will help you come back to the east coast of Africa and to know the most convenient time to return home. I'll give you two days to think about it. For now, let's have our dinner. <laughs> Grandpa, what a business That's how we Africans are For the Indian Ocean route And for establishing relations with cultures from other continents The Swahili people were very important What kind of new things did they introduce to Africa? Mm, let's see They introduced, for instance, rice through trade with Asia, and, oh yes, 
and through Madagascar, they got bananas and coconuts. The East Coast was very advanced as far as trade was concerned. But then, at the end of the 15th century, when they were searching for the seaway to India, the Portuguese arrived at the Swahili coast. Some of them looted and stole things. They finally subjugated the local merchants and sultans to the control of the king of Portugal. What a pity. Oh, it is. But there are still many traders who envy the success of the Swahili people. And do you know what? Uh-huh. The Arabs had been living within the Swahili society for a long time and started marrying women from the region. So, most of the Swahili people became Muslims quite early on. As you see, that was also good for business. <laughs> I am also going to mingle with Muslims then. Maybe I will have even more success at the market in the future. <laughs> <laughs> And so we reach the end of the third episode of Once Upon a Time in Africa, the Learning by Ear series about African history. You can listen to this or other Learning by Ear episodes again and write your comments about the program by visiting our website at www.dwworld.de forward slash LBE. Goodbye until next time.